So uh, we are in the middle of a sermon series, our summer series called BIOS, Stories That Shape Us. So this is a time for us as a congregation to listen to stories from our fellow congregants, uh, stories of struggle, stories of joy, maybe expertise that they have, life stories. And today we're so privileged to introduce you to the Hakobayan Shevko family, who's gonna be sharing with us today. Happy Sabbath. My name is Angela, and they are my children, Vera, Paul, Shevko. We are from in Ukraine. I am Armenian, married to Ukrainian. We are here since November 22, and my husband is still in Ukraine. Do you want to go down? Go down. Before I got married, I would always sing Ukrainian prayer songs. I, did, I didn't have any idea that one day I will marry a Ukrainian. I met my husband online, and then I met him in person in Ukraine, in Bucha, um, in the Adventist University, where I was participating in a youth congress. This is Bucha, this is the campus of uh, Adventist University uh, before war, and you can see the picture after war. I mean, during the war. Uh, I stayed there after the Congress for a health uh, program. I was participating, and after several months, we got married. We got married in Armenia, and then we returned to Ukraine to live there. We started everything from zero, and we would rent uh, places to live. Uh, you call it here... Um, uh, studio, but everything was much worse than a studio. And um, we would move for various reasons. We would move from one place to another, and it was becoming harder and harder because by now we had two kids. 
Երեխաները լսել էին մեր խոսակցությունը, որ մենք ծանկանային կունենալ արնված են երկու սենյականոց բնակարան, եթե նույնիսկ այն լիներ մեկ նենջասենյակ և մեկ հյուրասենյակ և մի որ ավել նաղոտեց and they would hear our conversation all the time. And one day, Paul, my son, prayed. And here is the prayer video. So he heard about two rooms, but he prayed, please, dear Jesus, please give us two houses. Ալելուլա, ամեն։ Նրա աղոտքից կար ճամանականց մենք կարղացանք վարձել մի փոքրիք հինտուն, որն ուներ մեկ նջասենյակ և մեկ հյուրասենյակ։ Right, right after his prayer, we were able to find a small old house that had one living room and one bedroom. 21 թվականին ամուսին ես գնած լեհաստան աշխատանքի, մի քիջ ավելի մեծ գումար աշխատելու համար։ Um, in 2021, my husband went to Poland to make a little bit more money so we can afford a little bit better house. So during that time also, um, my brother, um, my, my husband and his brother, they had a small in house inherited from the parents. They were able to sell, so we got our portion. And it wasn't much, as you can imagine, considering also Ukraine's economy and everything. But it was enough to put together uh, with our savings to afford something. When my husband came back um, from Poland, we went after Christmas, we, were, we started looking for houses to buy. Եվ պետերվարին, 22 թվականի պետերվարին մենք այն գինեցինք երեկ սենյականոց բնակարան, ճիշտ է բավականին աշխատանք կարանելու, բայց դա խնդիր չեր իմամուսնու համար, որը տվինքը եվ շինարար էր եվ կահույքագործ a lot of work to, to be done, but that wasn't a big issue for us because my husband is a constructor and a carpenter, so we would make it work. We registered the house on our name, but we didn't manage to move in. They want to continue. <laughs> so, um, 
three days later, the war started, and we just gathered one suitcase, and we hopped in the car, hoping to leave the country. Um, later, my husband asked me, how did you manage to pack the suitcase in 20 seconds? Um, I packed the suitcase in 20 seconds because it wasn't something new for me because I had already been uh, through war as a child. When I was a child, um, my country, Armenia, was going through war, the neighboring Muslim country, Azerbaijan, and um, we, were, we were used to it. Uh, and we were surrounded by several military footholds of the enemy of, the, of Azerbaijan that would sometimes shoot uh, two, three, f even five hours nonstop. <laughs> Um, during that, around that time, we were about five, eight, and twelve years, and when the opportunity would uh, allow, our, our uh, father would send us to a safer place with our mother. So, um, our uncle usually would, would take us in his car with other groups of people, uh, women and kids, and we would go through the forests and um, through the forest to be able to avoid uh, shooting, and uh, he would drive lights off during the night only. We could only escape during the night, uh, lights off, because if we had the lights on, they could see us, uh, and they could either shoot us or take us as a war prisoner, or I don't know what's the right term, just captive, take us. Can you please take a second and imagine how the angels were going in front of us? And like I said, we were going through the forests and um, no lights uh, through the night. So one, uh, sometimes my mom would return, she would leave us in a safer place and return to be with my father, to spend some time with him, to encourage him and to cook for him, um, and then 
one of these times when she was back with my father, she was alone in the house, and my father wasn't uh, there. And um, they hit our house with missiles. Missile, missiles, am I saying it correctly? Um, so she, and my mom was alone in the house. It was through God's miracle, it was by God's grace that it, hadn't, it didn't explode in the house. Somehow it got into the house and then it went up and came out and it exploded in front of the uh, park, in, fr in the park in fr that is in front of our house. Father, my father uh, ran, he was close, he wasn't in the house, but he was close, and he um, realized that it hit our house. So he ran um, towards the house thinking that he wouldn't find my mom alive. But he didn't know that God's powerful hand had hit the missile back um, to out of our house, and my mom was totally saved. Yes, I am used to war. But to this day, I still, uh, when I hear uh, fireworks or uh, when the helicopters go a little bit down, I get tense because I think it's war. So let's go back to our story, trying to escape the country. It was about nine, 10 hours to reach to the uh, um, border, um, Ukraine-Poland border, and we made it there by 8.20 p.m. And when we got there, they told us that um, 8 p.m., they had announced martial law, which basically does not allow um, men to go out of the country. So as you can understand, they didn't let my husband uh, get out of the country. So we stayed there for five days, trying again and again, hoping that maybe we can get out. But it was unsuccessful. We were sleeping on the bare floor of the um, hotel there, but it wasn't anything new for me. Like I said, I had already been through that. After long um, discussion and conversations, we decided that I will leave and he will stay. Um, 
մեզանից մեկը գոնե պիտի ողջ մնա երեխաների համար Of course um, I at first I didn't agree because um, I wanted to stay with him but my husband said think about the kids at least one of us should stay alive for them Հեշտ որոշում չէ ինչպես կարող եք պատկերացնել բայց մենք այն կայացրեցինք ես հատեցի լեհաստանի սահմանը եւ որոշ հայեր ինձ եկանտանելու գնացի հայաստան մայրիկիստուն And like you can imagine it wasn't easy decision but we made that decision and I left Ukraine I went to Poland and some Armenians came picked me up and they helped me go back to Armenia and I went to my mother's place Ինչպես ասացի Հայաստան ուներ խնդիրներ մուսուհարվան մուսուլմանական երկրի հետ եւ այնտեղ էլ ղեկավարում էին ռուսները ուստի ես մտածեցի որ մենք կարող ենք գնալ Եվրոպա եւ ավելի մոտ լինել ամուսնուս Um like I said that Armenia had uh, going through war with Azerbaijan and it is still to this day um happening so it wasn't safe to live there either um and because Russia is controlling Armenia also so I decided that maybe we can go to Europe um to be closer to Ukraine so that at least i could sometimes go and be with my husband gone yes karoge mtnel yerkir yerp naravolutsyun liner sakain despanatnere sharnakum ein merzel mutki naravolutsyun tal however the embassies would keep refusing us for no reason because other families could get access but they kept refusing us Մինչդեր ամերիկան տարբերակ էր առաջարկում, բայց դա ինձ համար մեծ ոչ էր։ Meanwhile, America was allowing an option, was giving an option, but America was a big no for me. Քանի որ այն շատ հեռու էր, եւ ես չէի կարող պատկերացնել ինչպես եմ ապրելու ամենում։ Because it was too far and I also did not have an idea how I could live in US. Մենք ոչ ունենք որ պատերազմը կդադարի եւ մենք կարող ենք վերադառնալ մեր գեղեցիկ երկիրը։ We hoped that the war will would soon end and we could go our beautiful country back to our beautiful country. Դա սակայն տեղի չունեցավ։ 22 թվականի հոկտեմբերին քույրս ինձ հարցրեց թե արդյոք ցանկանա է փորձել ամն գալ եւ ամուս եւ ես ամուսնուս եւ երեխաներից հետ խոսելուց հետո որոշեցի փորձել։ In 2022 October my sister suggested me and said would you like to try and come here to US and after a conversation with my husband and with my kids we decided to give it a try Քրոջս ընկերը դիմեց մեզ համար եւ հաջորդ օրը մենք ստացանք իրավունք նոեմբերի 7-ին մենք ժամանեցինք Orange County Քույրս ասաց, որ Այրիսը իր տան տիրուհին թույլ կտամես մնալ իր մոտ երկուսից երեք շաբաթ, մինչ մենք տեղ գտնենք, բայց շատ շուտով նա մեզ ասաց, որ կարող ենք ապրել իր մոտ։ So my um my my sister's amazing friend applied for us um and the next day we got approved. So November 7th of 2022 We arrived in California Orange County. Uh, my sister's landlady 
Iris Linda, told us that we can stay for two, three weeks at her place until we find a place. And you can imagine how stressful it is to think of finding a place in a country where you are not familiar with. But very soon, Iris told us that we could stay at her place and we do not have to worry about finding a place. Այսքան երկար սպասելուց հետո մենք դեռ չունենք մեր սեփական տունը, բայց հրաշալի է, որ աստված հոգետանում մեզ That's Iris's house where the kids have a whole room, just a playroom for them. I, 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 I just enjoy every day watching them playing in that playroom and being happy. After so long waiting, longing, we still do not have our own house to live in. But it is amazing that God took care of our housing here and he also has promised us a wonderful house in heaven. He has promised and he will fulfill. The next thing that we were worried about, that we were concerned about, it was the kids' schooling. But it, it didn't last long. We weren't uh, worried too long because Pastor Diva stepped in. He told us not to worry, and then very soon he contacted contacted us and to let us know that we that our kids will be covered fully to go to Adventist Academy. The teachers and the staff, everybody made it um, easier for our kids to adapt, to quickly adapt. So I just want to say thank you, Pastor Devo, and thank you all because Many, many people have supported us one way or another, and we cannot name them one by one, but you know that you have been there for us. And glory to God and praise God for his unconditional love and his mercies and his care for us. Thank you. Amen. If you don't mind, I would just share one minute thing. The sister she was talking about is me. <laughs> and I want to share something um, that I find important that I, it might bless you too. So like here in America, we say every cloud has a silver lining. Although I hate to say that, that war is terrible, 
the war she was talking about, I have been part of it too. But um, during that time, when war started, and when they were trying to go to Europe, I was going through a very, very hard time. Emotionally, mentally, spiritually. I had very little faith. I was just in a dark place. And I was thinking, is this going to get any better ever? Or is this going to be rest of my life? But they came. Vera and Paul came and they colored my life. So even though it's, there is war happening there and it's terrible, it worked out just great for me. And yes, I'm maybe being selfish a little bit, but they made me happy. They colored my life. So please look for tiny blessings in every cloud that come to your way, because God is amazing. And he finds ways to tell us that he loves us. So, Amen. Thank you. Amen. Thank you so much. Uh, please stand for the reading of the word. As we look at a very famous passage, Romans chapter 8, where Paul talks about coloring our lives with grace. I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory about to be revealed in us, for the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. We know that the whole creation has been groaning in labor pains until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly while we wait for adoption and the redemption of our bodies. For in hope we were saved. Now hope is that, uh, now, now, not, sorry. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what is seen? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought, but that very Spirit intercedes with groanings too deep for words. What then shall we say about all these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will hardship or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or the sword? No. In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. The word of God. Please be seated. For a few more minutes we will reflect a little bit on the story that we just heard. And we will reflect on it using the lens of Romans chapter 8, a passage, as I said, that is so familiar to many of us. When you look at the entire passage, 
it can be daunting and overwhelming because there is so much theological depth and richness that the Apostle Paul is. This is, this is the climax of chapter 1 through 8 where he had talked about justification and righteousness and glorification and the problem of sin and how it separates us, the human condition, the struggle in life. And Paul says, grace is where it's at in Christ Jesus. We have this abundant life and this gift and now he transitions to the practical parts, but ends with this beautiful doxological kind of statements here. When we look at the whole passage, we can get overwhelmed. But it is clear from this that sufferings is at the heart of this. And when Paul talks about suffering here, he is not talking about past suffering, but he is talking about present suffering. We suffer and we groan inwards with creation. So Paul's talking about present suffering, a suffering that I can imagine like we just had heard about. And then as we look at this passage, we see that Paul talks about growing, a groaning in labor pains. Groaning in labor pains. I find it interesting that Paul was writing to what was probably a predominantly male audience and would invoke the imagery of pain that was never felt by males. Yeah, you can say preach it, yeah? New Testament scholar Conrad Genf says the following about that. One rather expects that in a culture of the biblical world, even more patriarchal and androcentric than our own, the intense period of suffering that follows the, the long months of discomfort would be skipped over lightly since it never happened to the men who shapes the tradition, but only to the women whose job it is sometimes seem to be. Paul says there's present suffering, and it compares this present suffering to the groaning in labor pains, not the actual childbirth, the moment the child is born, but everything leading up to it, growing in labor pains. I'm a man. I have observed labor pains. We've had four children birthed into our lives, three of them at home. We had home births, and our final child, Kiri, is born in the hospital. And I observed the labor pain that Leilani, my wife, went through. It is intense. It is insane. And I'm glad it wasn't me. <laughs> Each birth presented its own intense labor pains. The first one was 10, 12 hours. The second was two hours, intense and short. The third one, Leilani was able to be way more peaceful and calm about it. I don't know how. Intense labor pain. Paul says when we have suffering, it's like labor pains. Men don't understand. However, I understand. I've given birth three times. You want to see my babies? Here they are. I've had kidney stones. <laughs> the first time I had a kidney stone, the female doctor who treated me said she would much rather give birth to children than have kidney stones. I think that has something to do with the fact that when you give birth, it gives birth to life and something that you can have affection for. I do not have affection for that, although once it's out, you do, kind of. <laughs> The first one was five millimeters. This one is the smallest one, two and a half millimeters, but I kid you not, it is intense pain. And the last one I had was six and a half millimeters. So when Paul talks about groaning and labor pains, my female physician told me it's okay to talk about, no, I cannot, I cannot speak on behalf of women. But 
intense pain. This is what my life was like with kidney stones. Leilani closed the door to our room and put the movie on for the kids. And I was like, ah, ah. Sorry, you did not need to see that. Until such time that I went to Kaiser in the ER and uh, the nurse that was helping me was kind of smiling and said, uh, I'll give you something to take the pain away. I was like, nothing will take this pain away. Until they did an IV and within, I think, 30 seconds, the pain was all gone. Um, pain, an intense groaning is what Paul says our present suffering is like. Paul uses the imagery of labor pain because it is imagery that is used throughout scripture. In Genesis chapter 3, we know that there will be labor, pain and labor as part of the curse from the fall. All the way through Revelation and in the Gospels and Paul's writings and in Revelation talks about pain of labor with our present sufferings. The rich tradition that Paul draws on from scripture says that uh, suffering is like labor pains, the groaning, and it is an intense pain. It is a helpless pain. It is inescapable and unavoidable, much like what our family shared with us today. What is interesting is Paul talks about suffering and says that our sufferings is like groaning and labor pains. As strange as it may sound, groaning characterizes the life of the spirit-filled Christian. Nobody said amen to that. Shall I say it again? As strange as it may sound, groaning characterizes the life of the spirit-filled Christian. Because present suffering is present in our lives. But we groan, and here's the beautiful thing as you look at this passage. We groan in a chorus of labor groans. For Paul says here, creation is groaning in labor pains. We ourselves uh, groan in labor pains. And guess what? The Spirit is groaning with deep words in labor pains. And in Romans 26, it goes on to say that the Spirit groans with us and for us. It says we don't know how to pray. The, the Spirit intercedes, but as the Spirit intercedes on our behalf, the Spirit is groaning along with us and for us. Paul is clear about this. Suffering is present and the suffering is intense like, like labor pains. But... We have a chorus, a trio of singers as we groan this pain. The whole earth is groaning in pain. We are, and we have the spirit that groans with us. We are not alone. And then we see the next important part of the passage. Twice it mentions waiting. When we talk about suffering and the intense pain, the labor pains of suffering... As we groan in a chorus with creation ourselves and with the Spirit, Paul says, creation is waiting and we wait with patience. We wait with patience during this time. Waiting is difficult. It is not easy. I cannot imagine what life is like when you missed 
your entire family safely crossing the border, you miss it by 20 minutes. Waiting is incredibly difficult. Waiting for war to be done. Waiting to be reunited with your husband, with your father. Waiting. Paul says, our present suffering is as intense as labor pains. But we do not need to fear for we have a chorus of the world and ourselves and of the spirit groaning with us and for us. And because of the spirit, we wait, but we wait with patience. And then Paul says this beautiful thing. He says, no, we are more than conquerors. When we talk about our present sufferings in the light of Jesus, because of the gospel, we are more than conquerors. Because you see, when we have suffering, we think we need to conquer it. But in Jesus, there is a more. The gospel is always that something more, isn't it? We are more than conquerors. We don't simply cancel out our suffering when it ends with whatever is brought. Paul says in a unique way, because of Jesus Christ, life, death, and resurrection, we are more than conquerors. Yes, we suffer, and when suffering ends, we conquer it. But the more part is that Jesus lived, died, and was resurrected. And in our suffering, we participate in the suffering of Christ. That is the more than conquerors. And that more than conquerors is what drives us. God's past, present, and future power and love and grace is what drives us in the moment. And then we have these two beautiful phrases. Who will separate us from the love of God? Who will separate us? Paul says, well, hardship, distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword. Notice, Paul didn't say those things will disappear. This is all present suffering in the midst of hardship, in the midst of distress, in the midst of famine, in the midst of nakedness, in the midst of peril, in the midst of war. Who will separate us from the love of God? And then... Paul gives this beautiful conclusion. Nothing can separate us. Paul says, for I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nothing in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing, nothing, nothing can separate us. That does not dismiss, diminish, or take away our suffering and our pain. That is very real. And Jesus bore that in his life and his death. This is not a pie-in-the-sky kind of philosophy or theology. It is a theology that's rooted deeply in the Christ who suffers. And calls on us to suffer with God. With creation. And with each other. As we zoom out in this entire picture and this reminder of Romans chapter 8 and this powerful story, complex story, still difficult and painful, what can we say? I had a conversation with a friend 
who shares a birthday with my daughter just this last week. She's in South Africa, and we hadn't connected, and I connected with her on, on, on Messenger to wish her happy birthday. And as we were talking and catching up on each other's lives, she told me uh, about her experience with her child who uh, was diagnosed with a very specific and unique form of autism. And it was an incredibly difficult time and moment in their life as they navigated what that meant. It, it gave them more understanding, but it also presented new challenges. As we talked about it, um, uh, we went back and forth about what's going on in our lives and the challenges and the suffering and everything that we're facing. And she said something really beautiful at the end. And this is what I wanna leave with you. She said, this experience of suffering has given me soft eyes. I'm not an ophthalmologist, but I know there are three ways of looking at vision. The one is your peripheral vision, where we all know that test when you go to test your eyes and you go to look at the little green thing that blinks, right? We have peripheral visual, vision, which is a wide, the widest possible span to try and catch the edges. Then you have your foveal vision, which is laser focused at the very heart of what you're looking at and you ignore everything else. Both of those are fine. But it's soft eyes that you want because soft eyes is the effortless combination of both your peripheral and laser focused vision. When we focus on a person or object, we do so without straining. Our eye muscles stay relaxed. Our gaze is not hard or intense, it is soft. At the same time, we stay aware of our peripheral vision and see all that is present in the broadest field of view while maintaining the central focus. That's what soft eyes mean. As we look at Romans chapter eight and we understand the experience that we just heard of suffering, of those labor pains that we groan with in our lives, God is inviting us for the gracious and loving life, which is soft-eyed life, where we stay firmly focused with Jesus in the center and the peripheral of our sufferings that we experience as a creation, each other in the spirit is still in view, but with soft eyes. When we have soft eyes, we are able to put our arms around each other and say, I see you, I hear you, I feel you. I hurt with you, I love you. The challenge of Romans chapter eight is for us to have soft eyes. As we listen to the story of Angela and Anush and the kids, I cannot help but have soft eyes. Do you? I cannot help but have soft eyes. And I know they have soft eyes because this community has stepped in to help and support. The challenge of Romans chapter eight is to have Christ at the center with soft eyes so that the, all of creation, we ourselves and the spirit together can suffer together through and towards the goal, which is redemption by Jesus Christ. That is my hope. And so I share with you one final blessing that I found 
from Kate Bowler. Pastor Raywin shared a couple of weeks ago, I shared this book for, uh, from her. She wrote a book called Everything Happens for a Reason and Other Lies I've Believed. So often we talk that everything happens for a reason, but she says everything happens and then we invite the spirit into the world. We all realize that life is difficult and there is struggle and we need to be invited into soft eyes. And so I leave you with this blessing that I believe enables us to have soft eyes. A blessing for when you realize everyone is struggling. Blessed are you who have realized that life is hard and it's hard for everyone. Your awareness came at a cost. You lost something that you can't get back. You were diagnosed with a chronic pain or a degenerative disease. Your family fell apart and things have never been the same again. Blessed are you who gave up the myth that life, that the good life is one of happiness, success, perfection. The life that looks beautiful on Facebook but isn't real. You who realize it is okay to not be okay. To not have a shiny life because no one does. Blessed are you who see things clearly where struggle is everyone's normal. You walk among the fellowship of, of the afflicted, a club no one wants to join. And while this life isn't shiny, it does come with superpowers. Superpowers of ever-widening empathy and existential courage that get you back up after another fall and a deepened awe at the beauty and love that can be found amidst life rubble. Like a flower that grow from the cracks in the sidewalk, these virtues blossom in you and thank God for you. Blessed are all of us who struggle, for we are in good company, and by God's Spirit, we never walk alone. Amen.